So welcome to number, I think it's number nine in our series in prayer. P is for prayer. And <clears throat> today we're going to be talking about perseverance. Let's click. Perseverance. And um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. So if you turn there with me. Last week we talked about this tension that, um, that exists in our prayer lives. On one hand, you know what I'm saying, there's this need to pray and even a desire to pray. But then on the other hand, we're weak. You know what I'm saying? And we're not able to do so, at least not in the way that we ought. But we saw that although we are poverty-stricken and personally incapable... Oh, bless you. Thank you, Marky. Thank you, P. Although we are poverty-stricken and personally incapable, the Lord, by His Spirit, what does He do? He partners with us, right? Which comes as a privilege of being a child of God. And, <clears throat> and, it's, and imagine, if that wasn't hard enough, knowing that you're weak, isn't it? And hungry. Let's look at Judith. <laughs> if that weren't enough, knowing that you're weak and you're incapable of praying in the way that you ought to, if that wasn't hard enough, having to struggle through our own personal weakness and incapability, what happens when you couple that with a delayed response to your prayers? And not only a delayed response to our prayers, but having to deal with injustice and having to deal with wicked people. Well, it calls for what? It calls for perseverance. P is for prayer and perseverance. So um, let's read Luke 18. Um, it's, it's verse 1 to 8 um, together. Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Can you hear the admonition? He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily, nevertheless. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Uh, let's just pray together. Father, thank you for this passage and the fact that it speaks powerfully about your people being mistreated. And Lord, it, it, you know, often it causes us to cry out, when will there be justice? And yet, Lord, we realize your word to us is to be patient. And in that patience, to persevere. Lord, would you help us, teach us a little bit more about what that means today, I pray, for Jesus' sake. 
Amen. Now the context for our passage is found um, in the previous chapter, in chapter 17. Remember, there's no chapter divisions in the Bible, right? Or at least in the original text. Um, and so it's kind of one whole, you know what I'm saying, compilation. And often... This, the, the, division, the chapter divisions help us, but sometimes they don't help us. Because we think, okay, end of chapter 17, that done. Chapter 18 is a new thing. Often it's not a new thing. It's actually a continuation of the old thing, and we need to bear that in mind. That's why we always try to give a little bit of context. So the context is chapter 17, um, just before this chapter. <clears throat> and I'm um, starting at verse 22. Listen carefully to the context. And he, that is Jesus, said to the disciples, the days are coming. When is that speaking of? Past, present, or it's future, right? When there's a time coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side or the other, so will the Son of Man be in his daylight. When Jesus comes back, trust me, everyone will know. It's not going to happen in a corner, right? And this is the day of the Lord. This is the day of the Lord's return. Verse 26, just as it was, notice, in the days of who? Just like in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Interesting. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. There was a long delay until he entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, another example, they were eating and drinking. It's like someone said, if you ever want to get into business, food is a good business to get into. Because right up to the end of time, people will still be eating and drinking. How about that? <laughs> if you're thinking of God. Buying and selling, planting and building. Verse 29. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30. So will it be when? On the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Can you see Jesus is talking about the future? Verse 31. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house, don't worry about that. Not come down or take them away. And likewise, like, let the one who is in the field not turn back, you know. Remember Lot's wife, who turned back, became a pillar. So she got caught in the raining sulfur. Verse 33, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Why? One, one spouse gone and the other one is left. There'll be two women grinding together, working together on the job, you know, <laughs> with your bridging. H hate for bus drivers to get taken. That's going to be a problem. Who's seen, have anyone seen that film? Um, with uh, my man, I forget his name. What's it called? Left Behind. You know I'm saying? There was an old school version, um, but there's a new version. The new one's better because it's in HD. The old one, boy, you can't even... <laughs> You can't even make it out. It's video. I don't even know if they've transferred it yet. Verse 35, there'll be two grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. So can you hear Jesus at, at that time fast forward to the future and actually to the end of time? Can you hear that? How many of you know that then relates to us? Because when are we living? I'm saying. And the thing is, we're not just living in the last days, you know. 
I would argue we're not living in the last days. You'd be like, boy, Pastor Rob, that's heresy. No, we're not living in the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. So today we're going to, if you like, go back to Jesus speaking to the future. Back to the future. Because we're going back to Jesus in the past speaking about at least the future, if not our times. Now these are verses that come directly before our passage. Can you see why I'm harping on the fact that this is the context? Because it relates directly with verse 8 of our text. If If you go to the next one, B. Thank you, bro. See? Look at verse 8. Can you see that that speaks about the end of time? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, what's he going to find when he comes is the question. And we'll come back to that. And the challenge we face is Jesus isn't back yet. What do we do, notice, as he delays his coming? See? And one of the big questions in the text is, When will there be justice? And the question in light of that is, how do we deal with the injustices, because they're here, that we face? How How do we, how do I, how do you, how do you respond to mistreatment? Now some will respond with murmuring and complaining and despair and apathy some will, re- some will respond with retaliation and revenge. Some, some will continue to be a thorn in your flesh. Some people continue just to be difficult and manipulative and selfish and inconsiderate and evil. Just a thorn in your side. Some, on the other hand, will be found serving and loving and forgiving and Praying and patiently waiting. So the big question is, during the delay of Jesus' return, how will you respond to injustice? So verse 1 of our text is there. You could just leave it there, B. Thank you, bro. Forget my remote control today. Verse 1. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is beautiful because it ties in really nicely. Because last week we, were, we, were taught, we, we didn't know what we, were, what we were supposed to pray. We didn't know what we ought to pray. And Jesus is speaking. And, and who's he speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples. And remember in the context. It's disciples. But it's disciples past, present and future. Because it's all encompassing, right, the time frame. So this is also to you and it's also to me as his disciples, right? Especially if you feel like giving up. You see the end of verse 1? Well, we're in that place where we've lost heart or we've grown, and our translation says we've grown faint. See, what should we do instead of giving up? What's the title of the message? Persevere. Now, we do need to pray. But if we ain't persevering, we ain't going to pray. <laughs> I'm saying that. 
And in one sense, we need to pray that we, we will persevere. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't give up. Like, and do what? Like, go back to what? Especially, like, who? I don't need... Do I need to convince you that we're living in the last days? I mean, just in the past 10 years, the things that have changed so... I remember preaching, you know what I'm saying, to our church back in the day, and we ain't been around that long. I remember saying, boy, you know what? In the last days, you know what it's going to be like? <laughs> We've had changes. I don't feel like I need to convince you that we're living in the last days. I could articulate why, but I don't feel like I need to. And you might be confronted with the challenges and just feel like, boy, I just can't do this no more. It's, we used to talk about those in countries like China and the underground church and the challenges that they're facing and northern Nigeria. I mean, I've got, got a friend who lives in a place called Jos, which is right, if you know Nigeria, it's right, in, and I know, it's not just because I look at, looked at the map. I've been to Niger twice. <laughs> I, I like Brother V. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? There's, right in the middle of, of the country is a place called Joss. I've got a friend called Elijah who's from Joss. And I remember sitting in class with him when I was at Cornhill and holler at the Cornhill students. And one day he just got up and come back, got up at a lesson and came back all, all upset. We were like in break time. We were like, what's wrong, Elijah? And he said, I just got a call saying that four of my friends were slaughtered by extremists who came down into the city. And it was all because of, do you remember when they done the Ebdo thing, when they drew, drew a cartoon of the prophet, Charlie, the Charlie Ebdo thing? The people them in, over in Europe somewhere just drew a picture, and so they went on the, on the onslaught. And just and my, my friends, friends got murdered. I'm saying, we used to look at that, I think that's over there. You know what I mean? But there are things that are happening here today that may not necessarily be like that, but that possibly is coming. There could be a number of different things that could cause you to feel like giving up. Persevere. See, don't lose heart. It says, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart, not give up, not throw in the towel. And what does... <clears throat> what does Jesus employ to help disciples to that end, to that effect in verse 1? Well, he tells them a parable, doesn't he? And in this parable are two characters. First of all, there's an, an unrighteous or unjust judge. And then there's this unfairly treated widow. Just two characters. And in verse 7, these two characters teach us something about God and something about his people. Now I've chosen my words very carefully here. The judge and the widow aren't exact representations. And I hope we'll prove that in a moment. But there's something that we can learn from both of them. Something we can learn about God. It speaks profoundly about God who is a father. And his disciples who are also his children. Verse 2 starts off by beginning to describe the judge. Verse 2, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who 
Notice, neither feared God nor respected man. Sounds like a serious guy. This guy takes Judge Judy to another level, right? You don't want this guy presiding over your case, and you'll see why <clears throat> in a moment. Verse 3 says, and then in steps our second character, there was a widow in that city who kept coming to this judge saying, give me justice against my adversary. For this widow, I mean, if you know, just to be a widow is, 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 is sad news. You know what I'm saying? She's got no husband, and in them days, there's no welfare system. You know what I'm saying? In one sense, like we were saying last week, she's weak. She's an outcast. You know what I'm saying? Her future looks bleak. She's vulnerable. And on top of all that, she's a victim of injustice. If it wasn't bad enough. Someone has hurt her, and she's powerless, crying out for help. And in one sense, this, this woman, this widow, is a picture of believers. Like I said, how many of you know we agreed last week that we're weak? And in, some, in one sense, we, we are categorized as outcasts. We're pilgrims, you know what I'm saying? Sojourners traveling through this land like in Pilgrim's Progress. And more often than not, people ain't really feeling like what we're, what we're feeling. And in, 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 in one sense, you know what I'm saying, things could look bleak because of your faith and, and we feel very vulnerable as Christians. So this is a real picture of, 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 of us, if you like. So in the parable, watch what happens. The judge, the judge goes into work um, one morning and finds a petition from this widow in his in-tray, Right? He pulls it out and he reads her case. And she's saying, oh, please give me mercy against my adversary. And he gives it a look over. Then he stamps on it. Petition denied. Case closed. <laughs> so he thinks. Because the next day, there's another letter. And the next day, there's another letter. And the next day, there's another letter. And another letter. And his inbox is flooded. His in-tray. I mean, I'm saying... It probably would have been, it probably would have been a, lot, a lot easier if it was an email. You just click and delete them. But, and in them days, it must have been much harder. You know what I'm saying? Because she couldn't send emails. You know what I'm saying? But the judge, regardless of her intensity, the judge is indifferent because he's selfish and he's uncaring. Begin to see a picture of what the judge looks like. He's selfish and un like you think, have a little mercy. No. But his nightmare has only just begun because the widow begins turning up at the office in person now. My man's on the golf course and there she is behind the ropes, you know, with a placard. <laughs> she then begins to pick it, setting up a tent outside the front lawn of his house. I mean, there's no escape, right? She's unrelenting. And one day, enough is enough. The unjust judge, he surrenders. Verse 4, for while he refused, sorry, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, boy, though I'm a, I'm, I'm a formidable character, you know, this woman, he says, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, 
I will give her justice. Like, so, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. In the original language, it's beat me up physically. Like that, that's the next step. She's going to draw for a baseball bat. I'm going to walk out my house. I'm what? That's, that's how he's feeling about she's so intense. And it's funny because it says in the ESV, I love it. I had to read it twice. He's scared she's going to give him a beat down. That's what it says. Beat me down, you know. <laughs> Through sheer persistence, she breaks him down. Like I think about them strong women in the Old Testament. There's a couple of them, probably one particularly. Who am I thinking of? Deborah. Nate's was in class, and I said to, saying to the guys as we were going through judges, I said, I know a lady who about 25 years ago became a Christian, and she read the book of Judges, and she went, oi. <laughs> she said, that's me. That, she said, I'm going to be a soldier for Jesus like Deborah. Forevermore, I'm going to change my name to Deborah. I'm not lying. By deed poll. And then people say, what's your name again? She said, they say, is your name Deborah? And she'd be like, no. My name is not Deborah, it's Deborah. Get it right. I'm like, call my girl in this text. And it's funny because even as I studied it, I was like, why? I, got a, I had a different perspective of this woman. I thought she was gentle and meek and mild. But you've got to look at this more carefully. I mean, call her Deborah, the widow warrior. You see how, now how the tables have turned? You know what I'm saying? Now, this is crazy. Who looks weak? It sure ain't the widow. It's the judge now you know, that's cowering, begging for mercy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And notice, it's the widow who looks strong. Even this uncaring, like selfish, indifferent judge can be won over and eventually worn down. What on earth is going on here? What is the application? As a Christian, you might have heard this preached even before. Hopefully, hopefully not here. You know what I'm saying? But you may have heard the application of this. As a Christian, be, 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 a, be persistent like this widow. If you want to get what you want, Pick it, placard, protest, mount a campaign of harassment, notice, against God. I know I've heard that preach before, maybe not like that, not, you know what I'm saying, but like, let's go to war. And, and, and use this text to prove that. Pray and pray and pray until you wear God down until he does his duty. How does that sound? I hope I, I did a good job of making that sound wrong because it is wrong. God is not like the unjust judge. We don't, have to, we don't have to twist God's arm around his back. I mean, not, I mean, not that we could anyway. Come on now. 
there's something to be said, no doubt, about persistence, which we'll come to. But prayer isn't about nagging God to tears, putting, putting him under pressure to get what we want. See, it's not a synonym. It's not, it's not similar in that sense. It's, it's more contrasting. It's more, it's more as in how much more? How much more? The unjust judge gives the widow justice, right? How much more will God give justice to his people? Can you see the difference? The unjust judge, oh my gosh, let me give you what you want. So the point is, okay, that's not a good look. But how much more, if God is a good God, will he meet your needs or respond to your prayers? Can you see the See, the unjust judge gives, gives the widow justice. How much more will God give justice to his people? If, if, if this judge that we're looking at is selfish and uncaring and eventually gives justice, how much more will the good God give justice to those that he loves? Verse 6 goes on and says, and the Lord said, you hear what the unjust judge says? Verse 7, no. And will not God give justice to his elect? If you're like, how much more? Looking at an unjust judge, how much more? You see, who, and, will, and will God not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? See, I've used two words, but not interchangeably. Persistence and perseverance. And there's a difference. You can be persistent, but not persevering. Children are often persistent. Gimme, 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 gimme. Immature adults are like that. Gimme, 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 gimme. How many of you know that's persistent, but that's far from persevering? Persevering is much more about being patient. It's about being expectant, hopeful. But it's also about enduring. It's about being faithful. It's about being steady. It's about being constant and humbly consistent. It's knocking. It's seeking. It's asking. Jesus had asked. You know what I'm saying? And you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be answered. There's a persistence there. I think I told you once what that really means. It's you come to the door and the Lord's behind the door. And you can't get in because it's locked. There's something preventing you from getting to him to access what you need. So, so the first thing is you do, you ding dong, ding dong. You knock on the door and to get the attention of the person behind the door. But at the same time, you're looking through the window. You're looking, seeking. See if they're inside there somewhere. You know what I mean? And you're shouting out as well as ringing the bell, knocking on the door, looking through the window. Can you see the... the, 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 the there's a, there is an element of persistence there. And that intensity, particularly in prayer. But you see, there's a complete difference 
to you knocking on the door of someone that you know. And when you know who they are, you know that if they're there, they're going to answer the door. But because your need is so great, it doesn't stop you from knocking, it doesn't stop you from asking, but it's a humble asking. You know what I mean? Because you know, if all they need to do is be there, and you know that oh, everything's going to be all right. See, it's knowing the one whom you petition, the one who saved you, the one who loves you, the one who cares for you. First Peter 5, verse 7, B, says, my, good, my handsome assistant, cast all, I should have said it the other way around, I should have said, cast some of your cares. Does it say that? Does it say cast half of your cares? I mean, God can only take so much. He's only got a, a couple billion people in the world petitioning him, right? So don't overdo it. It says, cast all your cares on him. Why? Well, if you know that he cares for you, can you see how that's going to nuance the way that you come at him? Now, it doesn't mean that you don't come at him. You do. But can you see the difference? See, it's, it's a little bit like Daniel. Like Daniel persevered, how many of you know, in prayer? Crying out to God in chapter 9. But there's this beautiful perseverance, humble perseverance. It says, then I turned my face to the Lord God in verse 3 of chapter 9. Seeking him by prayer. Is that seeking? Seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. When you drop down to verse 20, huh? Now, he's been praying for a minute now, a couple of weeks actually. While, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. And when you look at Daniel, Daniel was like, boy, Daniel was quite squeaky clean. But obviously he was a human, so he definitely was a sinner. You know and I'm saying, but he don't set himself above or better than anyone else. He categorizes himself with sinful, like, and Israel were sinful. And look, I'm presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, Zion. You know what I'm saying? While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who's an angel, and not just an angel, Gabriel is an archangel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Dan, now this is what I'm saying. Listen, listen to what the angel says to him. Can it, like, even just the way he calls his name. Oh, oh Daniel. <laughs> I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Notice. Not after you prayed like for two weeks and, five, and six days. Did God hear you? Notice. At the beginning. At the beginning. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy. A word went out. And I have come. To tell it to you, why? For you are greatly loved. See? We have to remember who we're praying to, and then we have to also remember who we are in view of the one to whom we're praying. See, if you see God as an unjust judge, how many of us are going to pray to, to him? 
I mean, we're supposed to be trying to encourage us, ourselves out here to pray. If you see God as some unjust, like, like this judge, I wouldn't want to approach him. I'd just be like, it's cool, man. I'll just, I just, you know, I'll just join the rest of the people out here just suffering and struggling. It's all right. Just allow it. I'm just telling you how I would feel. I'm saying if God was like this. Because all he's going to do is, sw- I'm going to have to duck because he's going to swing after me. You know what I'm saying? When I come in petitioning. See? <clears throat> and, if, and, and let's say you do see God as an unjust judge. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know, you feel like, and, and, and you're, be, you're a better man than me. You're a better woman than me. Like, you're Deborah out here, right? And you're like, you know what? No, I'm not going down without a fight. I need, listen, I need what I need out here. And I'm ready to fight for it. All right, let's just say you, you see things like that. <clears throat> and it's funny, and you might even say, Pastor Rob, I don't even know really where you get that from. Because Ephesians 6 says, we do have a fight on our hands. Yeah, you do. But in one sense, it's not with God. I think that needs nuancing still. But it's, not with, it's like Gabriel says in, you know what I'm saying, in Daniel. He says, yo, from the day you prayed, I've been coming, been trying to get to you, but what? Mana Teresa with the Prince of Persia out here. Fighting to get my way down to you. How many of you know Ephesians 6? Talks about wrestling. <laughs> But it talks about battling, wrestling against, it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Literally the same thing. See, there's an, there is an element of persistence and resistance, but can you see the nuance? You must see God in the light of who he really is and who you really are. Verse 7 says, to those who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? And will not God give justice to his elect, his chosen ones? Like, elect is his chosen ones. It's not even like you've got to fight him to, like, to get his attention. He done chose, he knows who you are. He knows you by name. He knows you better than you know yourself. He, and, and knowing you... <laughs> And me, the sinners that we are, he still chose us. I'm trying to give you some encouragement out here. He chose you. The beginning of verse 8 I tell you, he will give justice to them in what way? Speedily. Speedily. Now you'll be like, Pastor, I'm confused now. You just done talked about this whole long delay and us having to wait. Hence, we need perseverance. Now you're saying he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna provide for me speedily. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. <laughs> but how many of you know something can still be delayed but then happen quickly? Noah and the flood. Like, Noah, Noah didn't preach for a day. Or a week, or a month, or a year. You know how long Noah preached for? Noah preached to the point where people were like, bro, come on now. Like, it's been a minute, you know, bro. 
let me just remind you, it's actually been 120 years, Noah. Been a long time. But how many of you know that on the hunt, well, I should say it's been 119 years and, I don't know, 11 months. But then the next month came and that one day came and all of a sudden it started raining. And the rain didn't stop falling. And the heavens opened up and the, 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 the great deep opened up. There was water from above and beneath. And how many of you know, it took a long time coming, but when it come, I heard someone give an illustration about Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt could be like, you know what? <clears throat> I'm quick, you know. But um, I'll show you in a while. And you might have to wait because he's sitting on the sofa having a drink, having a patty and some cocoa bread. And you might have to wait on him, you know what I'm saying? But how many of you know when he gets up, and he starts to run, even though you've had to wait. The race is over quickly, speedily. Justice will come. But you might have to wait. You might not even get justice that you desire now. You might have to wait until the end. But trust me, when the time comes, and your justice comes, When it comes, it is going to come and it will be quick. So we've been asking a question, when, 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 when will there be justice? We've been asking a question. But how many of you know Jesus has got a question for us in the text? And it's the middle of verse 8. If you, just, if you go forward again, B. Thank you, bro. Oh, my bad. Um, go back. Back to Luke 18. Oh my gosh, bro, you're going to give my ting away, bro. Backwards. <laughs> See, I'll never forget my remote control again. Bro, make sure you go back, plug it out, bro, and go backwards and then plug, all right then, and then plug it back in. <laughs> so we've been asking a question, when would there be, we've been asking, a, but hear Jesus' question now to us in the middle of verse 8. I'll read it. It would have been nice if you saw it. Anybody remember what the question is? How about that? Let me have a drink. I've got time because we're nearly done. I heard someone say something about faith. Come on now. You hear Jesus' question? Verse 8. So he says, we just said, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily when it comes. Nevertheless, here's the question. What you're asking, Jesus, like, you're asking me a question. How about I ask you a question? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Two things as we finish. As we wait <clears throat> during the time of delay, the first question we want to think about is, in response to Jesus' question is, do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? And that is even if you're not a Christian. 
Do you trust in... I'm going to come on to the believers in a minute. Do you trust in Jesus, especially as we draw close to the end? And particularly, if you're not yet a disciple, we say we want justice. But do you really want justice? See, none of us, like this widow, are just victims. We are also villains. And guess who will also be found guilty at the end of the delay? When we all have to stand before the real judge. You see? You see, the, you see this delay? You know the real reason for the delay? Bro, Second Peter chapter 2, please, my brother. The real reason for the delay. Peter says... In 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 3, he says, Above all, he says, you must understand that when. Oh, in the future, in the last days, right, so in, this is Peter. And actually, Peter in Acts chapter 2 stood up and said, when he preached the first, if you like, kind of sermon, and, and 3,000 people got saved, he said then, he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, so if, 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 if Acts chapter 2 was the beginning of the last days, like I said, we must be living in the last or the latter part of the last days. He says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Like in, in, in Noah's time, right? Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that like, he promised? Peter says, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So you could get the, uh, you get the impression that nothing ain't really going to happen. Car, nothing ain't really happened. At least post those that lived in the days of Noah. You live in the day that... In that moment, in that quick moment of judgment that came speedily, no one was saying, when's it coming? Because it was, it, was, it was upon them. But anyone post Noah could easily get away with this. It's been a minute now. See, but Peter's like, don't listen. Be careful. Verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. So that's going back to the creation. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. This is the time of Noah. Right? Fast forward to Noah. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for a judgment. But it's not going to be by water. That's why I gave the rainbow. And anytime, you know what I'm saying, you think about, anytime you see a rainbow, you know what you're supposed to think? You see the rainbow and it looks nice. You think it's going to stop raining now. Here's the sunshine. That's not what you're supposed to think. Because it what? Because it's pretty. It's a bow. You know, the bow is a picture of a, a, an arrow and a bow. It's a picture of judgment. And God is basically saying, every time you see the rainbow, just be reminded that I'm not going to judge the world. Not by water, but I am going to judge the world next time by fire. That's what we're supposed to think. And my man's saying, people forget this. He said, by the same word, verse 7, the present heavens and earth are reserved 
for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, you know what? It don't, things don't, time don't work for him like it works for you and me. This is with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So since creation, we've come 6,000 years. We're like, oh, it's been so long. How, how, how long has it been for, for God? Six, thank you, Mikey P. It's only been six days. Don't sound, like, don't sound like very long to me. Or to him. And notice. See, remember, we're talking about the reason for the delay. The Lord is not slow in... Don't get it twisted. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Stop looking at it from your human perspective. From God's perspective. Instead, understand that he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Can you see the rationale for the delay? Thank the Lord that he delays his coming. Thank the Lord that he never come prior to August 1989 for me. When, did, when was the day of your new birth? If you can thank the Lord that he didn't come before then. So that's the first question. The first question is, do you trust in Jesus? Someone might have invited you here today, you know what I'm saying, and you're not a Christian. Hopefully you've been given some food for thought with regards to this delay, but you know what's coming. And then, to those of us that are believers, what's the question going to be, do you think, for believers? I mean, do you trust in Jesus? Do we trust in Jesus? Yeah, you could say that. But we take it for granted that we are trusting Jesus. Most of us wouldn't be here. There's a whole heap of better things. Forgive me, Lord. There's a lot of other things we could be doing now rather than being here. Right? So I take it you're believing in Jesus. But here's the question, getting back to the point and getting back to our theme. Will you keep on praying? Is the question. Or will you, are you going to give up? Are you going to get faint and throw in a towel? Will you keep on praying? John Calvin. Thank you, brother. Never pulled the, uh, never pulled the punch. Here's the punch. You know what John Calvin said? Go on, brother. You can press it. John Calvin argues that prayer is the chief exercise. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith. Not serving. You'd be like, but I'm serving, you know. That's not the chief exercise of faith. You might be like, well, boy, you know, I'm giving. If, if, if you're giving. That's not the chief exercise of faith. Preaching <laughs> ain't the chief exercise of faith. John Calvin argues that it's prayer. It's the absolute rock solid fundamental number one. If you're looking for real faith. Now, hopefully, like, you hear that, you're like, phew. You know what I'm saying? Because I can say, I may not be serving. I may not be giving. You know what I'm saying? I might not be preaching. But, boy, I'm, I'm praying. So, thank the Lord. Phew. 
or not, as the case may be. Like, again, we've been asking a question, isn't it? Like, what does your prayer life look like? Because all them other things you can be doing. John Calvin's arguing, and there's substantial support for this statement. He's saying, if you're not praying, have you, have you really got faith? Really? Remember the purpose of this parable as it relates to disciples. We said that at the beginning. Verse 1. If you could just go back for me, Brother B. Verse 1. The purpose of the parable. Jesus said, he, he told them a parable to the effect that what? Verse 1. He told them a parable to the effect that what? See that? That they are always to pray. And not lose heart. You see the purpose of the parable. So the question is. Do you trust in Jesus? Because if you don't. There's a very ominous and fearful future. Awaiting you. And it doesn't have to be. Because the Bible says. God so loved you. John 3.16. That he gave his only son. That if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. See, there's bad news to perish in, but here's the good news. And then for us as believers who have embraced that good news, we, be reminded that God is your father. He's not like this unjust judge. God is your father. He elected you. He loves you. He set his affection upon you. Why then would you be discouraged why then would you be fearful why then would you neglect spending time with him in prayer privately and collectively let's pray heavenly father thank you that that is exactly who you are and that you relate to us on that basis you're our father and we're your children and that because of the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us. Thank you, Father, that Jesus for 33 years persevered. He endured eventually the cross and despised the shame. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. Father, thank you that the Lord Jesus is so unlike us. Your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts are higher than ours, Lord. The Lord Jesus so focused for 33... I cannot even get the arms of my mind around that, Father. Jesus so focused that he persevered. And Lord, I go through nothing compared to what Jesus went through. None of us do. None of us have. None of us will. And that doesn't minimize our drama and our difficulty and our challenges. But what it does is it exalts Jesus incredibly. Because we say, I couldn't do that. No, neither could I. None of us could. Put together, we don't have the capability or the ability. We know that because the one that we're created in the image of, small i, is Adam. 
and he failed. If he, our vice regent, failed, then, and it's in Adam all die, in Adam all sin. But in the last Adam, in Christ, all shall be made alive. Father, Jesus is special, he's, un, he's, he's, he's unique, he's unusually different, and he is the last Adam. He came and he did the job that the first Adam couldn't do, that none of us could do. And Jesus persevered. Father, would you give us the encouragement that we need? Because we don't, we don't know how to pray as we ought. And then even now, Lord, when we're given instructions as to pray, Lord, we realize like this widow, at least initially, we're weak. And Lord, help us to stop trying to be strong in our own strength and be like her and then begin to, begin to disrespect you in the way that we pray. Yes, you want us to persevere in prayer, but you, Lord, you don't want us to try and twist your arm. Lord, prayer is an opportunity, is a time for us to have our arms twisted. Lord, it's you trying to say, look, this is the way it needs to be. I hear your petition, but, or I hear your petition and, yeah, I can grant that. But even sometimes the things you pray for, Robert, are not even the things that are going to be good for you. Father, help us to see that prayer is really the space and the place in which we are changed. Help us to come humbly. Help us to come, yes, persistently, Lord, but patiently in our persistence. And come, Lord, knowing that whatever happens, you're going to be changing us for the better. All things work together for the good of those who love you and are called, called according to your purpose. Help us, Lord, in this to persevere, I pray. Because that day's coming. That day will come. And Lord, we want to be, we want to be in the category that are jumping up and down and, and celebrating. We don't want to be in that group that'll be like, oh where you're wiping tears away. And it's not tears of joy, it's tears of sadness. Oh Lord, I flopped. Oh Lord, how you put up with me? And all you're gonna do is still hug us and love on us. Because you've already forgiven us. Help us to understand, Lord, the doctrines of grace. Help us to understand reconciliation and adoption. Help us to understand justification and glorification that's coming. That will help us to endure our sanctification, Lord. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.